Welcome to Weldcast, a digital project from the High Plains Library District. This project records, documents, and preserves the rich artistic history of Weld County and its residents through storytelling. On this episode, we're in New Raymer, a small town in northeastern Colorado, just on the southern edge of the Pawnee National Grasslands. When I say New Raymer is small, I mean really small. The population hovers around 100. It's a 30 to 45 minute drive to get groceries. What brought us here, the town's main drag, Center Avenue, was listed as one of Colorado's most endangered places by Colorado Preservation, Inc. We didn't expect a lot, and we got a lot more than we bargained for. We ended up faced with a problem. How do you tell a story as big as an entire town? What we came up with was 15 minutes of fame for New Raymer. Hours of interviewing condensed into just 15 minutes. Everyone deserves their 15 minutes, so here's New Raymer's. Over the next 15 minutes, you'll hear brief interview snippets with Virgil, Wayne, the Kuglers, and Dell, all of which took place in New Raymer, Colorado. If you want to just tell me, uh, tell me your name. Brad Virgil Johnson. All right. And if you want to um, just tell us where we are today. Um, oh, and we're in New Raymer, Colorado. Great. Um, I was raised down the road, well, uh, out north of Stoneham, which is 10 miles east of here. And then I was 13 north and two east of Stoneham, which is where I actually was raised the biggest share of my life. And lived there for uh, 85 years, and then we sold the place, and I moved to Loveland. Okay. So that's where I am now. So you moved to Loveland just three years ago, is that mm, right? Yeah, three, three and a half. Mm-hmm. How's that adjustment been? Oh, it's pretty strange. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I, I kind of knew it would be, but <clears throat> anyway, I was out there for 85 years, and then so I've been over here three and a half years Good give or take. I guess I always would, did want to be involved with livestock and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And I think maybe you got to be a little off in the head to do that. But, <laughs> but <laughs> in a way, it was a good life. And then in another way, it's kind of a trying situation. But uh, um, <clears throat> now, my, my parents, well, on my mother's side, they came to Colorado in 1910 and homesteaded. Okay. And... Uh, my dad's side, he came out here in 1912, and they, they both came from Nebraska. Okay. And uh, homesteaded. And then uh, when my dad was 14 years old, why, they had fenced a piece of land and had a few cattle. And then his dad said, well, it's all yours. I'm going back to Nebraska. <laughs> so, so he left my dad out there when he was 14 years old. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and, You're a man now. You can... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he said he ate a lot of pork and beans and crackers and things like that. <laughs> but, uh, and you get to know every little bit of the prairie. and right. It's not really a scenic area, but... I mentioned I was taking my former mother-in-law, and we was riding around in an old vehicle, and and uh, 
I said, well, this is, and of course, she lived in Savannah, Georgia, which is full oh, of yeah. lots of trees and all that. Green. I said, well, of course, we don't have a lot of trees out here. <laughs> and I said, it's probably a, a lot different, of course, than what you're used to. But she said, well, yes, but it has a certain grandeur about it. So I always thought about that. I guess maybe it's the grandeur about the prairie country. Yeah, it's there's kind of a certain way of looking at it, mm-hmm. right? That mm-hmm. I don't know, it feels different. Mm-hmm. But it can be pretty if you Yeah, especially if it's the weather's been good, it's green mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. How did growing up here shape you? Did you notice that you did you feel differently from some of the people you met from some other parts of the country and that kind of thing or I really, now when I went in the Army, uh, well, I was out at Fort Ord, California, which doesn't exist anymore. That's where I had training, but um, I I was raised up on, well, we didn't farm very much. We raised mostly livestock, Mm -hmm. but I worked for farmers, Mm -hmm. and I even, I went to harvest with some people that had combines and went to... uh, um, to the panhandle in uh, Oklahoma and Kansas and down in there. Well, that was kind of a tough life, mm-hmm. really, working in harvest in those days. They didn't have air-conditioned combines right. and so forth. But uh, so I think <clears throat> some things that, that would bother some of those kids from the cities mm-hmm. that really bothered them worse than it did me, the Army type stuff that was kind of crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, but I, I, oh, well, what the heck, I'm used to this sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of, but I could tell, I think it ate on them worse than it did on me because yeah. I'd been through, and then I'd worked out where it was kind of rough work, and for mainly farmers and ranchers, I suppose, and my dad. <laughs> but anyway, uh, um, so I think I was more used to um, having a, a more of a rough life than, than some of those guys. But. So if you want to go ahead and start and just uh, say your name into the microphone for me. And Wayne Krager. Nice to meet you. Um, also, just to put you at ease, if... If you end up saying something and then think, oh, wish I hadn't said that, I can always cut it out. That's not a problem. Sometimes so, a fellow's mouth engages where his brain does. You know, it's a personal problem I've had, so I completely <laughs> identify. And then, uh, so tell me a little bit about your history with New Raymer. Oh, well, I was pretty well, I was born in Sterling, but I was raised here in Raymer. And. My dad, he worked for, like most other people over the years, worked for Ben Walker for quite a while. After he worked for Walker, he ran the pool hall and beer joint for a few years, a couple of years, I think, while Kenny and Betty Thompson was off somewhere. Then I think he went to work for the state in 1953, and that's where he stayed till he retired in 75, I think it was. And when he retired in December 75, I went to work on January 1st of 76. <clears throat> and then I stayed there for 
29 years and retired out of there and passed around and done a few odd jobs and ended up working at the Don Paul Respiratory Outfit in Fort Morgan delivering oxygen all over the country mm -hmm. until April of last year. And right now I'm driving a school bus <laughs> <laughs> four days a week. And how's that been driving the school bus? Is that uh, there's an advantage to being hard hearing. <laughs> <laughs> it's the perfect job for somebody who's got that. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> um, what was it like being a young person around here? Oh, we always invented a lot of things to do. We had a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. uh, Run around with quite a few of the town kids over the years, and we was been known to kind of raise hell and put some blocks under it every now and then. <laughs> but we didn't really tear anything up, but we had a lot of fun. Halloween's was good. Back in the days when they had outhouses and things, we could either move them or tip them over and <laughs> have a lot of fun. But it was, it was kind of interesting back then. We worked harder on Halloween than we did any other time <laughs> of the year, I think. <laughs> We'd move haystacks, machinery, and everything else and stack them in Main Street or wherever we could go with them. But it was fun. Nobody hollered too bad. Yeah. The next, well, part of the time it even got us out of school so we could take some of the stuff back. So that was a good part. <laughs> the people around here must have thought, if only we could harness that energy <laughs> to... <laughs> uh, well, I'm sure there's some of them thought a little different than that, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... So what is it uh what is it about growing up here and what about it is the area keeps people here and I've heard some stories of you know people go away for school and they end up coming back or that kind of thing. Yeah, there's it's always been a good place to grow up and live as far as that goes. Mm -hmm. We're a small town, we don't have much trouble around here. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and everything's pretty quiet, biggest share of the time. It's still a good place. Not as many as there used to be. There are not so many vessel locals around anymore that there used to be, but still mm -hmm. some of the kids or grandkids are around the country. And we tell a few stories once in a while, and some they need to hear and some they don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot easier when a <clears throat> bunch of us are kind of gathered up. Oh, yeah, I remember this or that, and... Oh, I forgot about that. And, yeah, Reminds remember when and... we did that? No, don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're recording oral history right now, and it's, um, you know, thinking about this recording has the potential to be around 50, even 100 years from now. So what's something you'd like people way in the future to to know about, about you or about New Raymer or about anything, really? <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a few of them like to forget what I was doing years ago. <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty hard to think about something that much far in the future, but it'd be kind of nice to see the town grow a little bit again. A few more people move in that understood big or country, small town living instead of wanting to get out of the big city and then they end up wanting to bring the big city rules and regulations with them. Well, that's what they was getting away from the first place. Mm -hmm. And come out here in a nice, quiet community, and everything's pretty normal, actually, most of the time. 
And then if you just want to both um, start with just tell me your tell me your names and Okay, I'm Terry Kugler. I live in <clears throat> I was born and raised right out uh, a mile south, mile east, and mile south on a, a farm and I reside now on Road 140, Well County Road 141. All right. Okay, and, and I'm Nancy Kugler, and I'm a teacher. Um, I'm a retired full-time, and I'm an adjunct at um, Northeastern Junior College. So I taught out here at Prairie for many years and then went into Sterling. And why don't you tell them about how long you've been farming and ranching? And well, most all my life except when I went to college for four years and... and uh, the service for two years and I've been farming, ranching ever, ever since then. Us kids went to his mom, who's 105. She used to play her violin there for years, and mm -hmm. she played her violin up here. She was still playing her violin when she was like what 95 years old. Yeah. She and Thora Wolf, who lived from down by Peace Valley, right. So these cute two little old ladies <laughs> play their violins. They played them at a lot of functions. Oh, yeah. And she got a lot of pleasure out of that, didn't she? Yeah, until she froze her fingers when she locked herself out of the house one night. When she was probably about 96 or something. She spent some time outside at night? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, frost bit her fingers, and then she couldn't she play her couldn't violin anymore. She couldn't feel the strings anymore. Oh, wow. And that was when she was in her 90s? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's quite a character. She's yeah. still living at home. Yeah, she was at the time. So, And then she talks about um, going now. She went to the old Raymer School, and she graduated in 1931. Okay. And she talks about um, taking violin lessons in Morgan when she was in high school. So... That was a pretty big deal for her to get to take violin lessons. Anyway, the school buses at that time, they just <clears throat> had long benches mm -hmm. on instead of seats, you know. And they had curtains instead of glass. And uh, keep from freezing to death, why they would heat up a bunch of rocks and put in a gunny sack and they'd put their feet on them. Oh, wow. And they Bodies. were made out of wood, too, weren't they? The buses. Oh, yeah. They, there was uh, wood <laughs> bodies and everything. Seems like a recipe for disaster. It seems. <laughs> yeah, we our ranch is eleven miles northeast of here, and his mom's folks homesteaded there in nineteen fifteen. Yeah, nineteen fifteen. And so our ranch, we were able to acquire that property too, and so we celebrated a centennial ranch mm -hmm. um, two years ago. Yeah, and anyway, his mom, yeah, she talked about driving, taking that old mm -hmm. school bus and going up that pasture, that one, just like straight up out of there. And yeah. Craziness. And Grandpa, he went and drove the bus, and they always parked it on the hill there, and if if it didn't start the time he got to the bottom of the hill, they didn't go to school. <laughs> <laughs> So every once in a while, you'd have your fingers crossed. Maybe you don't have to go to school today. Huh? Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> well, and didn't your mom tell that story about, was it 
who was it, the Johnson girl or whatever, they're coming home in a terrible blizzard. blizzard. And she, it was a neighbor girl to where they lived there. Well, she lived- On our place. On our place, yeah. And it's about two miles across the- Pawnee Creek. Pawnee Creek there. And anyway, it was a snowstorm, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. And then uh, she always rode her horse up there to catch the bus. And going back home that night, she couldn't uh, see, so she turned the horse loose and he took her home. So he guided her home through the... Yeah, he, wow. she was riding the horse, and he took her home. So you had um, family here all the way through, even through the Depression and that kind of thing. And I've been hearing, it sounds like the Depression hit this area pretty hard. Was that the case for your family as well? Yeah, Mom and Dad, uh, I guess they, they got married in 1935, which was just the tail end of the depression, but I guess it was pretty rough. There was no jobs and, and well, people didn't have any money and, and. Couldn't raise a crop. Yeah, it was dry and that was the uh, starting of the Dust Bowl and all this. Mm -hmm. Dad, he came out from Nebraska in 1925 to stay, he came out I think like in 1921, but to farm, but then he would always go back to Nebraska where he came from and pick corn and work all winter to get enough money to come back out here and farm. Mm -hmm. And mom's folks, they, they homesteaded out here in 1915, so they were out here. Yep, and her folks, the Duckers, Grandma and Grandpa Ducker, right, they were already out here. Okay. And her, her folks, um, it's quite a little story because they came with five children under five years old and they yeah. had a little one-room shack. Oh. And he put set her up in there and then he went back to Nebraska and worked in the flour, flour mill. mill. Yeah. All winter and to get some money okay. to come back. Wow. <laughs> and the reason they have five children under five years old, she has a set of twins. Okay. And Grandma talked about, she actually remembers when the kids all got the flu really bad. Oh. And Grandma, you know, of course they didn't have running water or electricity. And their, her mom just put papers Paper. on the floor. So she, she was there with five kids in Fire one room mm -hmm. for the winter. And, that's... Mm -hmm. and her husband went back and worked in the flour mill so they could make it. You know, and they, owned, they were trying to own up on 160 acres, you yeah. know, the homestead act. Right. So that must have been a, quite a tough lady. Yeah. Oh, I mean. she is. That's why she's 105. <laughs> yeah. So she's oh, still... Oh, and her mother. Yeah, her mother lived to be 95. Yeah. And that was certainly when people were not living to be that old. Yeah, that know? would be pretty uncommon, I would she think. She had 12 children out wow. there. Wow. In a two-bedroom house, huh, Terry? Yeah. They uh, kept take getting a shack here or there, you know, from a neighbor or something that moved away and they'd pull it down there and then attach it to the house. <laughs> <laughs> kind of make this Frankenstein house one piece at a time as they went. That's what it looks like. <laughs> well, and then Dorothy talks about how many of the girls slept in the same bed? I don't know. I want to say five. About but... all of them, yeah. And she said they had one doll and she wasn't trying to 
you know, sound modeling or anything. Sure. But she said they did. They had one doll and they had to share it. Right. Wow. But, uh, and then uh, Grandpa took in kind of like stray kids that had, what was the story on that with the... Yeah, one, one kid, uh, Joe Myers, he was a neighbor kid and he wanted some work, so he asked Grandpa for a job and Grandpa said, well, yeah, he, he, he'd put him on, you know, and he said, well, pay you what you're worth. <laughs> Joe said, oh, no. He said, I'm not working that way. <laughs> and then I'll just have you, um, if you can just say your name. And I'm Del Northup at New Raymer, Colorado. Nice to meet you. Um, so... Tell me just a little bit about your history with New Raymer. I'm a third generation. My son's a fourth generation of the area. I had a, my dad came out to this area north of New Raymer, about eight miles. Uh, came out here in 1915, uh, one year old in the back of a covered wagon. And uh, they set up a little dugout, basically, and a wife and Five kids, I guess. Wow. What is it that um, What is it that brought you back here? I mean, if as far as, you know, you'd been in some other places and ultimately came back. Um, well, th what really started is my dad came to me and said he just couldn't handle the farm anymore and he wanted to mm -hmm. know if I would come back and help him. And uh, it was either that or sell the farm. And so I came back and worked alongside him. As living here, do you have an idea of how it's shaped you as a person or maybe how you look at things, how you look at the rest of the world? And uh, Oh, definitely. Your environment shapes a lot of how you are in your family. Mm -hmm. um, we grew up in a, in a small country church, and, of course, the, view, the views and values um, were picked up there. Uh, the neighbors... Um, we were always looking out after each other, and so common views on world issues were shared. Mm -hmm. Even though uh, politics divided, uh, the socialization brought them back together. My dad was a staunch Democrat, mm -hmm. and Ruth's dad was a staunch Republican. Mm -hmm. And uh, dad and he were best of friends. Mm. But that doesn't mean that they'd always ride home after going somewhere <laughs> together. You know, if you had to think of a story that you think of like, this is kind of my new Raymer story, you know, do you have any, anything in mind? Oh, I wish, uh, wish you could get some of the generation older than me together and have the stories told mm -hmm. of that time frame. I appreciate that you've gotten some of them, but uh, oh, yeah. that we've lost a lot of that. Mm -hmm. um, um, hopefully that my generation has passed along all of this stuff to my generation, but the one before me were pretty tight-lipped and they were uh, pretty self-sufficient people. Mm -hmm. And there was nothing about themselves, but they always tended to look at a bigger picture rather mm. than just themselves. Mm. Um, as far as a story, growing up, there was a... A lot of antics that were pulled by some of the 
high school kids around here that uh, mm -hmm. we just didn't get to do when we were in high school. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but they, uh, oh, like I'd like to really know who put the cow on top of the old bank building <laughs> and put the who put the pig in the music room. And also, somebody threw threw an M80 down the the church uh, stovepipe when they were having a prayer service and. I'd like to know who did that for sure, <laughs> but uh, there was a lot of speculation, but we didn't know for sure. But um, there's a lot of things that are getting lost, even like, I never thought of it in this way, but some friends from college came out to visit me, mm -hmm. and uh, they said, we didn't know you lived by a ghost town. Well, I've, I've never really thought of, thought of it in that manner, but the buildings are unoccupied, and, mm -hmm. and I know everybody that lives in town. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> they traveled for, I think, 400 miles in uh, California going up and looking through the different ghost towns in California, and they told me they could have started here. Wrapping up, there are two confessions to be made here. The first, the promised 15 minutes of fame was really more like 23 minutes, but we figured New Raymer deserved a little extra. The second, we're hoping that this 15 minutes will get you interested in the longer, uncut, raw interviews. If we succeeded, get in touch with us through the High Plains Library District website at www.mylibrary.us. Thank you for listening to this episode of Weldcast. If you would like more information about the project or you would like to participate, call 1-888-861-7323. This has been a production of the High Plains Library District.